at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nancy Neal, and I'm joined by London May. Read of Night of the Bastard comes out tomorrow. Hopefully, I'm allowed to say that. We don't get uh, yeah. kicked off YouTube here. Yeah, yeah it comes out uh, in a couple theaters tomorrow, and it will be streaming on all the major platforms. Tomorrow's our big, our big launch, so we're very excited about it. This is um, perfect timing to do a podcast. Yeah, and a perfect uh, day for release. It's good, uh, Friday, Friday the 13th. The 13th yeah, yeah. The, um, the movie was actually completed on Friday the 13th, oh, August. Really? of 2021 so it's this is our second friday the 13th so hopefully we'll uh stay unlucky <laughs> exactly well a lot of the people in the movie aren't particularly lucky and we'll, we'll go over that but uh for people who don't know what is night of the bastard about night of the bastard is has been called a a uh cheap transgressive taboo breaking supernatural siege shocker and uh it takes place it opens in 1978 and then jumps forward 40 years um and it tells the um the tale of a murderous demonic cult and their quest for world domination um through very very twisted rituals um, involving babies and all sorts of wicked stuff. And there is a, um, it ends up a, uh, a siege film um, out in the desert where a injured uh, woman tries to uh, take refuge in a grumpy old man's house. Um, and they, it's like a Gen Xer and a millennial having to, uh, put their differences aside and work together to get through the night. Right. And uh, you said about, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of taboo stuff in the movie, especially. So I don't want to spoil the movie, but right away, you see something that you don't necessarily see in many movies in, involving a baby uh, being ripped out of, out of the mom. So I think right away, you well, know you just spoiled it, Neil. You just but spoiled it. But it's only it. a few minutes into the movie. Yeah, but still, like, we'll cut that your out. First podcast. <laughs> don't give away the shock <laughs> all right well it's very right at the beginning you'll be you'll be in for what kind of movie you're in for yeah there's lots of lots of uh gratuitous gore and violence and nudity and sex um we uh we try to check all the 70s exploitation um boxes give the people their money's worth if you uh if you want to sit down and spend 82 minutes with us we're going to make it worth your while so it uh, it played a lot of festivals. Um, it was uh, it played in um, a fright fest, which I was at. Uh, did you get to see it uh, with an audience? I did. Did I have been all over the world with it? Um, we started in Indianapolis and ended up in Spain and England, Atlanta, San Francisco. Um, where else? Uh, Las Vegas, um, we got around and it was incredible to see it with an audience. Definitely, it works at home, uh, but it definitely has a midnight movie vibe, participation vibe uh, in a theater full of people who are just ready to have a good time and laugh. It's also has some some very wicked, funny moments uh, as well. But it is a really stand up and cheer and and uh, scream and laugh and and have a good old time. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the best way to see any movie impossible is in the theater, but, you know, it's not always possible, so it's still going to be cool to watch at home. But I imagine watching it with people was a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah, they're in on it, you know. They're there. They're, they're there to be entertained. They're not on their phones. They right. are – the movie has a, a 70s sound design, so it's a little quieter than most of the than Avatar and, and the big mm-hmm. movies that you see these days. So you actually have to kind of lean into it which makes it um, kind of a more intimate experience. People aren't kind of thrown back by it. They're leaning into it. And then they get kind of startled uh, every five to 10 seconds. Yeah. Just a weird kind of a side uh, uh, thing about that is, um, so I also do a pro wrestling podcast and Jake the Snake Roberts always told me on the show, he said he always did his promos uh, low and all the other wrestlers were big and you know, screaming. And he said, because it made people look in and pay attention. Whoa, whoa, Jake the Snake fucking rules. I'm exactly. I'm happy to have that in common with him. Yeah. Can, you kind of have a similar vibe to Jake the Snake. Hey, I'll take that. I'll take that. I uh I'm sure he's he's a little more uh adept uh in the ring than I would be. Right. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, I do love wrestling. Aesthetically, I was thinking. I do love but, wrestling. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so you're credited a uh, story by you and Eric, uh, Eric, who uh, directed it. So, um, so how did that come about? Did you guys have the story and then some people wrote the script? Like, how does that come to be? Yeah, we, Eric and I came up with the story. We have been working together on films for the last eight years. And we decided that we were going to take a huge leap from making shorts ourselves and financing themselves and producing them ourselves to making a feature and doing it ourselves. And it starts with um, some, a very practical idea of making a film on what you have available and like what films can be made um, on a limited budget uh, with a limited crew. And Eric loves siege films. Uh, we both love Satanism and, and demons. And <laughs> I like so that, that was, I'm gonna yeah. Use that. <laughs> yeah. So we both are, if you've seen brutal realty, which is a, a black metal demon movie, um, this is kind of a, another sprocket on that wheel of, you know, dark, uh, dark occult stuff, which is something we're both tickled about. Um, and, uh, we had shown brutal realty in a festival in, in, in Las Vegas and on the way home from the festival we ran out of gas taking a detour through an area called Wonder Valley California which is very very sketchy desert isolated community and that night uh waiting for waiting for uh roadside assistance we saw some sketchy people doing some sketchy things and it really was the kind of the the personal night of the bastard for us and that and eric's um appreciation of the manson family and serial killing and we just kind of took us took a small idea of a siege film in a house in the desert and then built a universe around that and not wanting to um i mean i wouldn't say it's an overdeveloped film but we tried to tried to give it subtle nuances to make it make it special for um for the viewer and for the people making the film so did you have like a location planned out when you're thinking of the movie or we did we had an original location eric had a uh 
a house, him and a, uh, him and a partner had uh, purchased a house in the desert that they were using as an Airbnb. And this movie was delayed for a year because of COVID. And the house that we were going to use got sold. Um, so we had to scramble in a month and find a new location. And the location that we found um, ended up being way more appropriate for a really uh, sleazy, scuzzy little movie like Night of the Bastard. Yeah. And it feels lived in. It, you know, it seems like this has been around. It wasn't like, uh, I'm sure there's stuff you did to make it fit in, but it seems like it, it's, it was already there. It is actually lived in. The woman who, the disabled veteran who lives there was on set the entire time. She would be in a different room while we were filming inside of her house. Interesting. Did she ever see the movie? Uh, it's she. It's not been out yet. It's been under right, kind of right. lock and key. A lot of the cast and crew have not seen it as well. Um, but yeah, so we pretty much the cast and crew kind of lived that movie for for uh, for eleven days that we shot it, mm-hmm. and we were on her filming at her house. You know, twelve sixteen hours a day. And I'm sure she saw some wild stuff. Did she have at any time ever asked like, what the hell was going on here? She came out a couple times while we were filming outside. She would just yeah. kind of open the door and walk out um, and interrupt a scene. Um, at one point, the there was a desert monsoon and this everything that could have gone wrong during this movie, during the filming did. I mean, this movie kind of should not have been made. Um, but we were able to get through it. But during a monsoon, uh, her roof got blown off. It kind of rolled up like a sardine can. Oh, wow. Uh, And the fire department came out because the roofing material had fallen onto the power lines. And when the fire department came out, the front of the house is covered in blood for the film. And so they came out with their axes ready for a crime scene. Um. (laughs) So she was a, she was, she had a good time doing it. You know, she was able to, we, we paid her in cash and cigarettes and beer and got to hang out with the cash. She lives there alone with her dogs and cats. And so this was, um, this uh, to her, this was a big Hollywood event. Um, for us, it was like a punk rock DIY. Let's have a Hummer, uh, a horror summer camp, you know, in, in your, at your house. Yeah. So when you're, uh, developing the story, was it always the plan for you to, to, to play Reed was that story kind of built around you or that character well it was the cheapest alternative um <laughs> instead of hiring somebody else to do the role and and auditioning them and paying them and all that kind of stuff and it was um I was the most obvious person to just jump in and and do that as well as the other things in the movie uh, how about uh, you know, the rest of the cast? Were they people you knew? So how did you go about casting the movie? Well, the first, the most important person was Finding the Witch. And we found her through a, through a woman in a local band here. There's like a witchy band called the Death Valley Girls here in Los Angeles. And uh, she said, oh, I've got a friend who's a real witch. And she's an actress. And... The next question is really the deal killer is, will she get naked? Will she 
have sex, uh, you know, cinematic sex um, and do all these crazy, wicked, occult things. And she's like, yeah, she's really down for it. Um, she is part of that Twin Temple band. There's like a satanic doo-wop band that is very popular. And she's naked on the front cover of the album. So we felt like, oh, okay, well, if she's comfortable doing that, um, maybe she'll be comfortable making a horror movie. And she ended up being not only the best actress uh, that we could find, but also being our occult consultant um, with her background in, uh, in witchcraft, she was able to help us create uh, rituals um, that were fairly accurate. Um, Cause I, I don't like seeing occult stuff in movies. It is just so lame. They took no effort to try to make it look authentic. And so yeah. we, we made the effort to have somebody there who knew what she was doing to help coordinate some of those ritual scenes. So she was a, uh, yeah, I she's a secret a weapon of, in many ways. Yeah. And I wouldn't think that's something a lot of people would either think about or, you know, uh, give the attention to. So that's pretty cool. Well, and we called around because there's in LA, there's obviously a lot of witchy people. There's occult mm -hmm. stores and there's witchy people. And uh, Hannah, who played Claire, um, as I said, she she wore a couple hats on days that she wasn't working, wasn't acting. She helped out with production. So she was uh, she was like our Swiss Army actress. She could do anything. So what what is the vibe like when you're doing the sex scene? Uh, well, it's a closed set. It's very respectful. It's not sexy. Right, right. And I wouldn't do anything. Uh, I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything in a film that I wasn't comfortable doing myself. So if there was nudity involved, um, count me in. If there's gore and dirt and sex involved, I'm game for that too. So any anything that I ask of anybody else, I also ask of myself. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I understand you. Yeah. So if there's exploitation going on, it was on both sides. We're both being exploited for the for the common good. <laughs> right. And uh, you mentioned earlier kind of the not boomer, gener generation X and millennium, um, uh, millennial. So uh, your millennial counterpart, um, Amaya, how did you cast her? And uh, did you guys have like chemistry right away? Yeah, we found we found her through a, a casting site. She submitted a. Uh, a video reel where she acted out the one of the scenes in the movie so viscerally on as a self tape like throwing herself around and just really physically getting into the role that that immediately stuck out to us um, I'm an actor I self tape all the time and I try to think of because I was the, the casting director on this I was trying to think of what do I want to see um, like what do I put out on camera and what do I want to see somebody else put out on camera? And since this, since this is such a physical movie, I really wanted to see, I mean, it's also not Shakespeare. We're not, we're at our budget and for our storyline and our script, it's, it is what it is. It's a, it's a grindhouse thriller. 
Um, we're not going to win any 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 awards for acting or anything like that. So we really needed somebody who was a physical actress who really could get down and dirty and physical and could keep that energy up because as you saw in the film, it just never lets up. And instead of trying to bring the dramatic scenes down to something that was, I don't know, maybe more natural and conversational, we wanted everything to be hyped up to the sky. Like we wanted screaming at all times because it's unnerving. It's unnerving and you get uncomfortable watching people scream at each other. Am I, am I wrong with that? You know, there's no, a certain, yeah. when people are hysterical, you're just mm -hmm. like, fuck man, something happens. Somebody get killed or somebody knock at the door, but it, it creates this, this tension that we wanted to sustain through the whole movie because we knew we didn't have a lot to, to work with as far as um, budget and, you know, any big production. So we wanted to just keep things very, very stressed. And she came right out of the gate knowing that, that we wanted her to just freak out for two weeks. And she did. Right. Uh, you said a very physical uh, movie. How physical demand, physically demanding was it for you? Because, uh, you know, it's like a lot of action, especially as the movie progresses. Uh, I, I broke my shoulder during the filming. Oh, wow. uh, so very physical. I was very excited to do my own stunts and also the way that the film is shot and the speed that we shot the film in, we were shooting 15 pages a night. Um, there was no stunt, there was no time for stunt doubles. There was no, um, you know, what you see is the cast rolling around and fighting and jumping around in the desert. And we had a stunt coordinator, stunt coordinator there. And at some point my arm got, fucked up, ripped up, my bicep got torn, my uh, labrum got torn. Um, I didn't feel it then. It didn't didn't kind of kick in until like the next month. Oh, wow. Because I, I was going to say, you know, you, you talked about, you know, not a huge budget. So I was wondering how you could take time off for it, but you don't even really notice it until uh... we, I, you know, just take after take after take and your adrenaline is so high. It's almost like being in combat when you just you know, you throw a bandaid on it and just go back out there. Because if, if, if anything had happened at any time with any of the cast or crew, um, the movie would have been shut down. If I'd gone to the hospital or anybody else had gone to the hospital, it would have been over. So you how's just the arm kinda, now? Uh, I had surgery in August and I am doing aggressive PT with it. And it is coming along. This is this is huge progress. I do this in every interview because I'm really trying to inspire myself. But uh, the whole summer while we were at festivals, I was in a, a giant uh, like orthopedic brace. Um, so this is this is huge. I can throw a little punch. Pow! I, <laughs> well, I couldn't well, do that, well, and I I kind of thought my uh, kind of thought things were over for me. So I'm I'm happy to be on the on the rebound. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, maybe silly question, but you know, in the desert, and when I'm watching movies, like you get a lot of sand in your face and stuff. Like, how just annoying is that getting a uh, sand places? Man, uh, if it's if you're not down with it, it 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 sucks. Um, I mean, you have to really 
you have to really believe that, you know that shit's temporary film is forever sand in the face is temporary but film is forever <laughs> pain is temporary but film is forever i mean you see me i'm covered in dirt there's a guy who's covered in blood the entire movie yeah. and, and i can't imagine that's a good mix uh blood and oh, sand together yeah. yeah you know we didn't have we had no air conditioning um most of the generators were intermittent at best um we had an active serial killer on the loose there was a body found during oh, our filming adjacent to our <laughs> i don't um, laugh about that but yeah our to our set uh we there was an there was our active arson um i said equipment problems a monsoon that dumped like a foot of water on the set and flooded the set one night washed out the roads I mean, and we're 30 minutes away from any sort of hospital or any sort of civilization. We are so remote. Um, a sandstorm, COVID, recasting, my injury, uh, heat stroke. Five people had heat stroke. I'm not bragging about these things. These fucking yeah. things were awful. This was like being at war. And I wish it had been more comfortable for everybody. But the film has a certain vibe because everybody is is struggling it's like a cast and crew was just on a lifeboat fighting off sharks for two weeks and that's what you get in the movie was there any point uh when you're making it if you know all these issues that you just thought it's not going to happen every night every night there was something monumental happened that i was like well there goes my life savings this movie is not going to get done for any number of reasons whether it's the elements whether it's the cast whether it's an injury the first very first day we had somebody go down from heat stroke um and i was the set medic as well i'm a registered nurse so i would break away from either acting or producing or doing props and run and go tend to somebody and i was like if we don't get this person back on her feet and she goes to the hospital, we're done. We're done. It's, it would be like putting on, it's like a, if you put on a punk rock show, you don't want the cops to come because you know they're going to shut the thing down. So you don't want anybody getting hurt at the show. You don't want anybody getting hurt on set because it's going to bring an ambulance. It's going to, so yeah, very, very stressful, very stressful. And I think it took a lot out of everybody. I think we all have some PTSD from it seriously so um how about uh yeah makeup artist uh julie happen yeah i've had her on the show she's very mm -hmm. cool uh, how did she get involved in the movie uh she was brought on by christian ackerman mm -hmm. who helped, helped yeah. to produce the film and he said he had a friend in san diego who was really into blood and gore and <laughs> <Yeah>. that was <laughs> that was good enough for us right yeah. That, that that describes her and you throw in cats in there and the, that describes it to a T. Yeah. So and it's 100 percent practical effects in the film. So we're very proud of that. Um, yeah. And. You know, people seem to really respond to it. We won a, a best special effects award. Um, everything looks brutal and realistic. There's no CGI. Um, you know, there, for a moment there, we were hoping that we would embellish 
all of our kills with some CGI. But then at the that we realized that it would be better to just leave everything 100% practical, um, make it short and sweet and move on than trying to kind of, uh, what do they call, gild the lily, try to do more to it. Mm-hmm. I think, because I think people appreciate, you know, a solid looking punch, some, a big blood splash and a scream is better than a fake head exploding that looks like a video game. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, um, and I'm not saying the effects look bad at all. I'm just saying, in general, even bad practical effects, to me, have a charm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bad CG just looks bad, I think. Yeah. And even even good CG starts to take you out of things, right? Yeah, because a lot of stuff that, like, um, from the 90s and early 2000s that look great at the time, if you watch it now, like, it it's really it just does not look real at all. And, you you know, it, it does not age well. Yeah. And I think for us, we and I wanted... think it's maybe you can't even pinpoint it, you know, if you're just white, but something your eye knows, like the weight's not there. It's just something that takes you out of it. Yeah. And I think for our film, we wanted to keep people in at any cost. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this was your kind of film, we wanted to celebrate that and respect you enough to make sure that the gore was appropriate um for what people are looking for you know that's I'm a sure good pe- point because if you like a 70s grind you know uh grimy movie you're not going to want the cg and if you yeah. are like a cg person you're you might not even watch it in the first place so, exactly you know. exactly and so yeah so our eric and i's respect for each other is to push this thing to the point where we both feel very very comfortable and confident with it. And so if there's something that he thinks, you know, could use a nudge, um, I will make sure that that gets taken care of as much as he will work on something that I think is maybe more character or heart and soul of the movie. You know, he wants to cover all the gore and stuff and I want to kind of cover the more human elements of it. Well, that works then. Cause I think one, you know, helps the other, you can't have yeah. all one or, or the other. I think. Well, you want to you want to care about the people a little bit because then when they fucking die, you know it means I, something. I agree, hundred yeah, percent. Otherwise, you you know, there's movies that you don't care about anybody. You just watch it to see the death, but that's not really that 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 uh, might be fun to watch, but it's not. Yeah, you don't get it's not as emotionally. Uh, you don't have any emotional connection to it. So. Yeah, and as an as an as an actor with not much experience, um, you know, most of us were were pretty green. Um, on on the set of this movie and so it was uh you know it was an learning experience for us all you know how to how to i mean it's it's not the citizen kane of, of horror movies it's a um it's a lot of fun and it's exciting and you know we did really well for what we had to work with really really proud of it I really enjoy it. It's the kind of movie I like. But the, well, the thing about horror movies, I like all different kinds. So it really depends what kind of mood you're in for uh, in, in at the time. And now this is a movie that I, I like. I like these kind of 70s. Uh, I mean, I, I was wearing this shirt for this interview. It's not a, a nice Bassett shirt. Nice. Satan's Devils here, yeah. uh, real Badger. I'm not sure his real name, but he said that uh, I don't think it's Real Badger is his real name, but 
He says, uh, I met London on the Tension Experience, and he cast me in a cool music video of his. Oh, I know him. Oh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. Is that you? Way to That's go. Funny. Nice nice to hear from you. Very cool. And I have to bring this up. I saw it was banned in, in Pakistan. So uh, when you hear that news, I know you don't want to be banned anywhere, but it also at the same time has to be kind of, uh, hey, this is pretty cool. We got banned somewhere. Yeah, it's a that's a double-edged sword because right. that's a um Pakistan is the fifth largest country in the world. Um obviously, you know, we're not going to connect with, you know, 99% of those, but if we connected with 1% of those, that's a huge audience for us and uh I love Pakistan. I'm, you know, I'm a I feel I'm a, a globalist in ways. Um and I was very excited when it got booked into a theater chain. Um, skeptical well. but excited yeah. um, and knowing that the film had played in Spain and England and you know as a kid that's these are exciting things it's I've always thought that that was for me personally it was cooler to play somewhere um, you know unique than to just play in LA so yeah. we were very excited about that and then this week they they banned it uh so it was supposed to open tomorrow at a theater chain and they canceled the and they had promoted it and everything yeah and you know what specifically an issue with because you know, i guess it could be a lot of different things i don't yeah i i asked the distributor if they could get me a list you know because i'm <laughs> because that satisfies the other part of me is yeah. that i grew up on faces of death and cannibal holocaust and band 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 and how exciting that was and how that was an instant grab off the shelf if I saw something was banned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I imagine, I mean, there's, you've seen it. There is so much offensive material in there. Right. Right. It could be, an, um, I was shocked. I said that it, that it was even considered. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what they were thinking in Pakistan, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, it's it's a shame. I wish I could um, airdrop a bunch of DVDs right. um, because... into the into the 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 main city um, because I think they'd get a thrill out of it. But um, did any um, when you're doing the festivals, did any of the other uh, countries not want to play? Because I would assume different things. Um um are more important in different places like you, in the states probably nudity is worse than the violence and then in other places the violence is worse than the nudity and then in some places maybe the the satan uh, elements so. uh not that i'm aware of um but i think th i think there'll be some more stuff that we're going to find out about once the movie kind of goes into a uh you know a broader audience uh eric has received his first death threat oh, wow. um which is scary yeah um but i said with being banned and um being called repulsive and vomit inducing and getting death threats fuck we did something good right <laughs> exactly right? yeah i think to the audience of the movie these are all reasons for yeah. people who want to see it <laughs> yeah so as i said it's it's you want to I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to be happy. But then on the other side, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is <laughs> fucking crazy. But yeah, we didn't, like, but, but Neil, you know, we didn't water down this movie. Right. 
you know, when you are self-financed renegade production, um, we, you know, broke away from the Hollywood mainstream and did everything ourselves is that we didn't have to compromise. We didn't have to apologize or compromise or ask permission. We did everything that we wanted to do in the film. And we found a distributor unbelievably who would support that. Um, and that, that is remarkable. Um, we expected cuts in the movie, but people are seeing an uncut, uncensored version of this movie. And it's remarkable that it's playing anywhere. Yeah, so it's uh, the, uh, Select Theaters tomorrow. Um, wh where exactly? Uh, what are the uh, cities? Tomorrow, let's see. I'm going to read it off for you. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, it's playing at the Film Noir Theater in Brooklyn, New York. Um, the 18th of January, it's playing Film Scene in Iowa City. That's an encore screening there. We've already played there. Uh, and then in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on the 20th at the Guild Cinema. There'll be more to be announced. Um, tomorrow, it's streaming on all the major platforms. Apple TV, Vimeo, Amazon Prime Video, um, Google Play, Vudu, and Xbox. Very cool. And uh, maybe it's uh, too early to know, but uh, do you have plans for a physical release? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked it. I'm glad you asked about that. Um, yes, we are. And... There was talk about it and then it kind of petered out and now doing press week. Um, we've had so much interest in physical release that I right before this conversation that I'm having with you, I wrote uh, the guy at the company and I said, hey, are we on? Because people are excited about it. And he was like, yes, we are on. So Blu-ray and get this VHS. No, very, very cool. Yeah. I, I, I personally think it's a great movie to put on VHS uh, yeah. to watch or, you know, even just to collect and put on your bookshelf or something. Be very good. Yeah. So I'm excited. It, I, I, you know, I was like, if I go through another interview faking that we have that kind of in the shoot, um, I don't want to do that. So maybe I can, I can get some more information. And right before we talked, I got the go ahead that that is actually happening. It probably won't happen until the summer and the fall. Yeah. These things, they just take forever. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very excited. A An offshoot of Vinegar Syndrome is going to be handling oh, the release. Cool. So we feel like we're in a, a very good home. This is one of the perks of, of playing a film festival is somebody who was at the film festival was like, this is a perfect home for our company, you know? Yeah. And people yeah, who go to film festivals, you know what it's like. It's like there are people, there are tribe. That's who you want to yeah, work definitely. with. Yeah. Um, just real quick, what what would you uh, tell people uh, the benefits of doing a film festival? Because I have some people on who say, you know, they don't believe in film festivals, but I, I personally have had great experiences and it led me to, you know, making some things. So what are your thoughts on film festivals? I love film festivals and doing festivals is to me the... Um, I'm sorry, I just kind of lost my train of thought because I looked, um, I looked at the wall and there's something crawling on it. Um, <laughs> film festival is the the to me it's the the payoff. Um, it, that's if you get into them. I mean, it's it's getting a short into a film into film festivals is relatively, you know, you have a good chance. You know, mm -hmm. if your stuff is pretty good, 
getting a feature into film festivals a lot tougher because you only have a certain amount of time that they can allot to feature films because they're so much longer. If, yeah. You know, a 90 minute feature film, that could be nine short films. Um, so feature films are tough, but the people that I have met at film festivals will be my friends for life. Um, the people that I've got to rub elbows with, the people that I've learned from, um, being able to travel and celebrate your film in an audience, it's to me, it's like taking my band on tour, which is something I grew up doing. And festivals, um, I mean, I get really excited about, we just won another festival yesterday, um, like the, the, the Palm Dior of San Francisco. We won oh, the, the top feature at, thank you, at the Another Hole in the Head Film Festival. And this may not resonate with the, with the general public, but as a filmmaker, it means a lot. Um, and I think they help to kind of create a buzz about your film. You know, you can, you can just put your, just release your film on YouTube. But I think festivals, if you make something that you're proud of, uh, festivals for us have been very, whether it's Brutal Realty, which, which did great at festivals. And, and now, um, here's the also thing too. I don't know if Neil is like, once you kick in the door with one film at a festival, you are always welcome back. Right. Right. You know, whatever you have coming up next, they're interested in, you know, and that's nice creating like a network, um, around the world of people who are interested, um, in the stuff that you create. And uh, I, I love festivals. I love going in and watching the film. And sometimes it's the only time you'll get to, to see it with an audience. There's right. most cineplexes are not showing indie movies these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, like it's like a ours. A little bit more now since um, uh, Terrifier 2 did well, but it's still, yeah. it, the, how long will that last? That kind mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the buzz off that, but, uh, but it's still very, very rare. There's still not that many that, that's yeah. that play. So, and just said being able to, we saw, we, we screened in Spain, uh, packed house, sold out, subtitles didn't work. Oh, really? And so the film started and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be a nightmare. And the walkout started as soon as the dialogue started, a couple people don't, don't. And I was like, this place is going to empty out in the first 10 minutes everybody else stayed everybody else stayed and watched an entire movie in a foreign language with no subtitles and were able to enjoy the film and give it a standing ovation and it just was like holy shit i think we have something yeah yeah i mean honestly that's why i heard uh, the buzz way before you know uh i got any emails about the movie coming out was at the festivals well thank you you. that's right you know i mean i love festivals i love that that's where i get my movie news Mm -hmm. that's where the that's where i find out about movies that i want to see i don't i don't go to variety it's all i I love shutter and all these but uh it's you know i see the movies like a year sometimes or a few months sometimes uh, a year before they they hit shutter or whatever and then, and then there's some movies that never, I never see anywhere, which it's cool that I got to see it, but it's also sad that like, well, that movie was really cool, but it never really found its home anywhere. But um, there's many reasons for me to really love the festival. Neil, series. doesn't that break your heart? I have yeah. seen so much cool stuff that never got released and it 
And I'll come home and I'll be like, I saw this, that, blah, blah, blah. You got to see it. Well, where can I see it? Oh, it, it eventually never comes out. Yeah. And so I feel very fortunate um, to, to have a movie. You have a movie that came out. Um, we have a movie that came out. I mean, that's just, we're just the luckiest people around, you know? All right. So Night of the Bastard, people can watch it uh, streaming. And uh, where, uh, where can people go to see, like, because um, you said it might expand to some other um, theaters. Where could they go to find that information? Uh, thank you for asking. They can go to the Night of the Bastard Instagram site. Uh, they can go to Bastard Movie 2022 on Twitter. Um, God, I wish I could. Can I alter that now that the movie's out in 23? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is because, you know, we started our own media stuff. Right you know, before we had anybody, you know, before the film was picked up, you know, mm -hmm. we wanted to kind of start people checking some of the, the artwork out and stuff before we, you know, it's just kind of part of the hype, you know, it's very DIY. Uh, so yeah, Twitter, the Night of the Bastard on Facebook, um, they can find London May on any of those sites as well. And I'm sure my music fans are fucking bummed that this is all that I talk about these days, but <laughs> you know, I, uh, nobody cares. I'm going to check out your music. Stuff. I feel bad that I've, uh, I'm not I'm more versed on your music, but I'm going to check it out. Oh, that's quite all right. I'm, it, Hey, you know, um, if I haven't taken care of you in a hospital and you haven't listened to my music <laughs> and you haven't watched a film of mine, you know, uh, maybe I'll go into a fourth act of my life <laughs> where we'll cross paths. But, right. um, I spent yeah. my share of time in the hospital, but I'm oh, healthier okay. now. So, yeah, so good, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. All right. Well, it's been very cool to talk with you. Neil, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and, and helping to spread the word about Night of the Bastard. And I hope you had a good time. And I did. thank you for checking the film out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I hope people check it out. I really dug it. And I think uh, a lot of people who like uh, that kind of movie, um, it's not going to be for everybody, but uh, for people who like that kind of movie, they're going to really like it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. thank you so much. Well, we we're excited about tomorrow for the for the world to either um, come kicking our door down uh, to burn us at the stake or let us make another one. Yeah, right. Well, I think it's definitely a movie that I don't think people watch and be like, eh, whatever. It's either people are going to be really into it or, or or it definitely will not be for them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not for intellectuals. If there's intellectuals <laughs> watching right now, just save your time and and save your money there's 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 room for everybody but we carved out a little teeny teeny notch for ourselves here you know and for the for the true fans we got you very cool all right i'm gonna play us out with uh our music of the month the two minute cage and thank you for joining me and we'll do it again sometime
Thank you to my Nick Cage and a big thanks to London May. Check out Night of the Bastard. And I will be back here in about 12 minutes with Dora Madison of Bliss of Christmas, Bloody Christmas, VFW, and a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I'm going to switch hats so it looks like it's a totally different day and, and no one will know be the wiser. But we'll be back here 12 minutes right here for the second interview here without your head. So please subscribe, hit that little icon. When you hit that, you'll get all the notifications when we go live or I upload a new show. Uh, lots of cool interviews. Uh, help spread the head, share that out. You, you, uh, you like the show, help grow it. Share, share it with your friends, with your enemies. They'll become your friends. Show it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your MySpace, your Grinder, wherever you, uh, wherever you do social media, share it out there and I will be a happy man. All right, we'll be back in about 12 minutes. Thanks again for watching.